Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, I'm talking with Light Reading's Bill Harvey and Robert Clark about the Optus network crash that occurred earlier this month. The Australian service provider's network crash impacted 10 million people plus a number of businesses. Robert explains what caused the service interruption and how Optus handled the issue. In addition, we discuss SK Telecom's new AI services and what those mean for its subscribers. Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser, and you're listening to What's the Story, and I am joined by... Uh, Hello, it's Bill Harvey, Editor-in-Chief at Light Reading, and our guest today... Uh, Robert Clark, a contributing editor Asia for Light Reading in Hong Kong. Yeah. Good to have you both here. Thanks for being uh, here, Robert. Yeah. So, Robert, you uh, were covering Optus's uh, network crash, which sounded pretty egregious. Uh, can you give us an overview of what happened? It, what really struck me about, about it is that it's one of these issues that sort of collided with a whole bunch of other issues uh, as it was taking place and in the aftermath. Um, it's, it's firstly, obviously, the cybersecurity and network hardening uh, issue. And then, then there's this whole uh, problem that uh, the, the issue that uh, the country's been debating about um, how you build and incentivize mobile infrastructure and who has access to it. Uh, then you've got the Optus itself, because Optus came into this with um, a sort of a, a reputation question mark hanging over it, which is sort of really further tarnished. So a, a, a lot a lot of interesting sort of contextualization and, and ramifications in this particular event. Yeah, so what, um, I, I believe there were, was it 10 million that were affected um, by their network crash? Is that right? Yeah, ar- around 10 million services. Uh, I think roughly around, probably about a third of all sort of uh, registered services in Australia. And it sort of began around four o'clock in the morning which in itself was obviously a bit of a, 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 a flag to say that there had been some sort of maintenance of software upgrade, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which sort of turned out sort of turned out to be the case. Uh, but um, it, it took Optus hours and hours to sort of figure out what the problem was. It was only until about lunchtime early afternoon that they started restoring services, and about, by about four p.m. late afternoon pretty much all of the services had been restored. But it, it turns out um, Optus staff had to physically go to some locations to sort of reboot the, the routers. Uh, it was that sort of a problem. So it sort of raises the question of, of, of well, what exactly happened? Uh, now, we know um, uh, Optus and Singtel have put out some bits of information, but basically it seems like at this point, as they're doing this sort of a reboot early in the morning, um, they they somehow received some some bad uh, network data, a, a flood of network data, some bad addresses, and they couldn't cope with that. Uh, we don't we don't know a whole lot more than that right now, um, but obviously the question is how did that happen, and was it was could could have been much better prepared for it, and you know, was it really necessary? What was going on with it? Where, these engineers had to go on location to to reboot. 
Yeah, and just to amplify the the sort of the impact of it for those who didn't who haven't read the stories yet, and I'll I'll take you uh, take you all to task later. Um, <laughs> go read the stories. But the outage happened on November eighth. Um, like you said, about ten million uh, Australians were uh, and 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 let's probably thousands of businesses were without any kind of uh, mobile coverage or internet uh, access for. I think it was it like over twelve hours, or was it? It was yeah. It was, it, it's about it was about twelve hours by the time it got pretty much restored. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and it wasn't you know it wasn't the uh, typical like you know first of all huge outage, but it wasn't the typical like fiber cut or uh, something physical. It was obviously or what what we think is it was obviously something cybersecurity related. Um, that seems to be the the issue and how the infrastructure for Optus uh, handled that, whether it was some kind of cybersecurity attack, it didn't respond well. And like you said, they had to go out to some locations and physically reboot ra- uh, physical routers to, to, to get them back online. Um, and then the, what's been the aftermath. So I, I guess, you know, there's obviously been, you know, the government's obviously digging into it. Um, what have they done, done or said anything to date and what's been the aftermath within the Optus executive ranks? Well, uh, there have been a number, of, there are a number of inquiries, although as far as I can do, I, I don't know if there's an actual, I'm, I'm not sure who, who's doing the actual inquiry into the event, but there are, there's an inquiry, for example, into the fact that some people couldn't get access to emergency call numbers and that should route automatically to a, a, a uh, an alternative network. Uh, there's a, there's a, 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 an inquiry into the governments and officers sort of public messaging during the event, uh, and so on. Um, so I'm not really. Uh, so I, I think there is a, 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 an inquiry into the net, network outage core issue uh, by the, uh, the, the the Department of uh, I think Cyber Security. But before we get to the aftermath, there is, if you like, the pre-math. There's a, a 15, 14 months ago, the Optus was also the um, at the centre of Australia's biggest ever data leak. Again, some 10 million, some details of some 10 million uh, customers uh, were leaked. And uh, right. as it happened, I, I was one of them, having been in the country a week or two before and having had the misfortune to decide to buy a short-term Optus SIM card. So even that brief interaction I had with uh, Optus, Optus resulted apparently in my, my own details getting leaked. But you can imagine that, the, that this caused huge reputational damage and, frankly, getting up the company becoming like a little bit of a punchline. And, and now, and so that was the context that Optus took into this particular uh, event. So obviously it raised, it raised people were asking obvious questions like what is going on with Optus, what, what is wrong with the company? Not not sure if there's anything particularly uh, to blame, perhaps with officers' management, uh, or but we obviously there are questions about the network provisioning and redundancy and and, and so on. Um, but but uh, the the CEO uh, uh, Kelly uh, Rosemary Bayer uh, uh, put in a resignation on on the twentieth, and and there's an interim CEO. And they also installed a or created a COO, which I thought was a bit interesting. There wasn't a COO position, and maybe, maybe that's one. Well, I would have thought all oh, an operational intensive 
operationally intensive company like like Optus or any talker might need, need a COO. So maybe that's something we can take out of it. But as for ramifications, I think we're still dealing with them. But Telstra has said, yes, we've had quite a bit of interest in uh, people wanting to sign up for mobile services. Uh, but also I think um, brand managers and reputation managers will be sort of following this closely to see if, if Optus can dig itself out of this reputational hole. Yeah, and I, I thought you made some interesting points on your November 8th article about um, just from a PR perspective, how they really dragged their feet to even get in front of the public. It wasn't until um, I think like midday or afternoon that the former CEO did her first uh, radio interview. And, uh, you know, you you made some really interesting points about crisis communication and how um, you got to get out there first to get your, your message. And they really didn't do that. Um, you know, didn't didn't even reassure people that they were working on the problem. Look, it's certainly something that had a lot of people angry, a lot of people, a lot of people talking about it, that seemingly Optus uh, was sort of not, was hardly to, there to be seen. Um, now, Optus... Optus did issue its own uh, in the wake of the event, did issue a list of all the, uh, the communications it had done. But um, I, I, uh, it clearly wasn't seen to be adequate by people uh, at that time who you know, I think were probably just listening to the radio, watching TV, hoping to see Optus people get out and say, this is the situation, we're working on it, we're not sure what it is, um, sorry, please bear with us. I suspect that they're waiting perhaps to, to have some clear information to, to give out, to say, you know, we've got this, we'll, we'll, we'll be back on the air in a few hours. But I, I, I'm just guessing. But certainly the fact that government is inquiring into the, the, the lack of messaging suggests that you know, it, it, it's seen as a big failing. Yeah, and certainly no. as a service provider, that's not something you, you can't just really hide from that, you know, like, oh, I hope no one notices that they can't get in touch with anyone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, we can, only, we can only speculate. I mean, there is a bit of, there's been some talk in Australia that perhaps, you know, uh, this is a bit too close to, is seeing to a parent and, you know, there's a different culture. And it's it may, maybe the that maybe there may be something in there because Singtel, Singapore, as you probably know, has a fairly gentle, comfortable media culture. If you're a telco, you're not going to get a really bad ride with that with the local media. On the other hand, Singapore has these subsidiaries or partly owned subsidiaries in the Philippines and in Indonesia and India. They're very successful. Never, uh, um, even though you know, 100% owned Ocoptus. And, you know, there are huge culture gaps between Singapore and those countries. So possibly there's something in it and possibly, you know, as some people suggest, maybe Optus should be uh, a little more independent of, of uh, Optus instead of being just a unit. Uh, perhaps it should be its own sort of independent company, perhaps even return to the stock exchange. But th- these are things for, th- these, these are sort of the things that uh, are, are being canvassed. But, um, yeah, look, it, it may be the cultural issue or just simply maybe a management, just, just, just lacking basic uh, crisis communication skills. Yeah, the, um, uh, the CEO had only been there, what, less than, is it three or four years, you know, so not yeah, that yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, fairly new, three or four years. Um, yeah. It may not have been her fault, but um, after these two crises, uh, you know, it was hard to see that she was Well, yeah, they happen on her watch, and that's yeah. that's the thing with being a CEO is you kind of have to, you know, take the uh, take the take the take the beating, so to speak. But the um, the the 
in the first issue you mentioned the 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 data breach that back in September um they're still in class action lawsuits over that so people are coming after the company and trying to you know get some sort of uh compensation and sort of that and i i imagine that this next thing because it involved you know shutting down payment systems and transportation and things like that, that's going to kick off another round of lawsuits, you know, against the company. So you, you were correct in saying the reputational damage is going to be pretty extensive here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, look, there, there, there has been, there has been some compensation paid. I, I haven't looked, looked into the details closely. I don't, I don't think these are like final compensation packages, but Optus has started to pay some, uh, pay some compensation out. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, because it's a um, it's 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 a challenge for all, all those involved. So certainly, that's um, a big watch for the next uh, little while to see if Optus can sort of recover from this one. Yeah, we'll definitely look forward to continuing to hear what what next. Maybe who knows? Maybe they'll have a Christmas miracle and something good will happen. But <laughs> uh, I'm kind sorry, of curious ahead, too as, as to what the the follow on technology changes end up being because. Um, this is clearly, you know, kind of pointed at Cisco a little bit, you know, or at least they did during the the initial government inquiry. Um, but I don't know if it's Cisco's, I don't know if it was Cisco's fault or if it was just the fact that Cisco routers kind of, uh, kind of choked up during the, um, when they were trying to correct it, the issue, whatever it might be. Uh, look, one of the, one of the, Possibilities being canvassed is maybe uh, the company just spread itself too thin, just doesn't have enough staff. Um, yeah. And and you know, and, and maybe not maybe normally it's the kind of thing that the staff member could have woken up in the middle of the night and just sort of tapped a few keys on his laptop to to fit to 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 fix. But um, what, what, why why this uh, these bad address these bad routing tables sort of were able to bring down the whole network? Is not quite clear. I should add one of the more interesting um, uh, observations came from um, someone called uh, Jeff Houston, who helps run uh, a group called APNIC, the Asia Pacific sort of Internet Address Registry. Always has quite forthright opinions, but he says, you know, the tel telecom and network industry, instead of naming and blaming and shaming, uh, should perhaps try try the aviation industry model. We have an sort of aged, an independent agency, investigate it, find out what happened, and 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 make and, and, and disclose that. Uh, and um, <laughs> the tips for they were made, but that's a, that's perhaps a most robust way of preventing these future incidents. But this, this touches on so many sensitivities, though, in terms of data and the world of the networks and so on. That I, I don't know if that could ever happen, but Maybe it's, it's some sort of model of that where you have an, an, an agency that will, an independent agency that will investigate these uh, events and provide and produce some sort of report at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, um, just to, to switch gears a little bit, you've also been covering um, uh, SK Telecom's uh, approach to AI um, and just wanted to hear a little overview there and also about their, you know, in a recent article you met, mentioned their uh, AI pyramid strategy, which sounded interesting. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but there may be a cultural cultural. Is a pyramid strategy? I was like, is this like a food yeah. pyramid for AI? Like, <laughs> or pyramid selling? So, um, right, exactly. So, 
I mean, look, kudos to, I mean, I, I think in particular those um, Korean and Japanese companies, but I guess SK Telecom in particular, who really are those, I think, AI forward telco uh, in the world. And they've, and really, I, I could probably spend a couple of minutes just reading, uh, reading out some of the uh, AI-related announcements that uh, SKT and KT have been make, making in the past uh, four or five months. But anyway, the the AI uh, the AI pyramid is something they've just in, like formally vowed uh, in, in the past month or so, and it, you really get a sense of how this is this. It, it, well, the first thing is it reminds you that this is not just a telco, but this is part of you know, what the Koreans call a chaebol, which is a big industrial conglomerate. And and well, part one or the bottom, as it as it calls it, of its pyramid is uh, infrastructure, but that includes. Uh, chips, it's it, it owns or partly owns, if you like, the SK uh, conglomerate um, a ch ch chip company called uh, Sapion, and it's got a very powerful uh, AI chip called the X330. They're very excited about it, and it outperforms uh, other chips in, in certain performance parameters, and that's due to come out. So that's part. That's one. Another is um, uh, what they're calling AI data centers, which they have, which are very energy efficient. I think using liquid decaling, um, and and so that's that's pretty much the the, the bottom of the pyramid, the infrastructure. The the middle is uh, they call it AI trans or AIX. It's really sort of AI driven digital transformation, uh, and then the top is the services, and the, the flagship service is this awkwardly spelled AI dot. Uh, which we, we, I always have trouble with when I'm writing it. I have to tell the editors <laughs> it is it's pronounced AI dot, even though it's written like AI period. So AI dot is is. Basically, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of AI period though. Doing AI period, it's like yeah. well done, marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it doesn't. We didn't throw some like random numbers in there and extra letters. <laughs> it, it, it is a very awkwardly written uh, service name, but but this is supposed to be like an AI powered super personal assistant. And some of what it does sounds good. Some of it sounds a bit creepy. It can like summarize. You can summarize the calls, you, your phone calls you just had. So you think a smart and sort of logical integration, integration kind of thing for a telco, something that could manage some of your phone conversations. But it can, then it can make suggestions about other people you could call. So as a journalist, yeah, maybe I might like that. <laughs> but again, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a cultural thing there. I'm wondering, do I really want someone to tell me? Uh, I've looked. Say, I've looked at your contact book, and I think you should call this guy now. <laughs> you, you need to call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You haven't yeah. you haven't talked to your mom in a while. Um, yeah, like, well, I, I guess mean, I could see that being useful for yeah. for maybe like a work call. Um, you know, so somebody doesn't yeah. have to take the meeting notes, or they can, you know, have a basis to like go, you know, transcript to edit it. But uh, for personal calls, that sounds a little invasive. Uh, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I, I guess we're going to be probably going to be talking about this on this kinds of things for a while. Yeah, um, but look, real time real time interpretation uh, is something a service that they're promising. It's promising. That sounds like something uh, you know we, we could all do with. So, um, so look, I think I should say that you know the the opportunities that some of these companies are seeing is that you know the big the, the, the big uh, Chinese and American um, 
AI heavyweights, they're like heavily invested in their own language. And so there isn't a lot, there's a gap in terms of Korean and Japanese language. And uh, SKT says it, AI, when AI dot, I think came out in beta last year, that was like the first Korean language, um, um, uh, large language model in Korean language. So that's sort of the, you know, the, 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 the door they're trying to uh, rush through. I, and sorry, I should say, and they've, and they've got big ambitions financially. I mean, they're hoping to grow the they're hoping to grow the the company revenue in the next five years to uh, from to about nineteen billion dollars US. It's currently around thirteen to fourteen billion, of which a lot of it they, they hope will be from AI. Yeah, really ambitious and and really interesting because they're they're so vocal about what their intentions are, whereas in the U.S. carriers, they tend to talk more about how it's being used in the network, but they're not really they're not really getting out in front of what are the benefits going to be to business and consumer subscribers yet. And they're also sort of on the back foot because they're constantly cutting jobs, even without AI being a, a factor. <laughs> um, you know, just network automation in general is kind of happening across yeah. the industry. Well, yeah, because Korea, again, Korea and Japan don't have uh, open AI and Amazon are these big heavyweights in front of them to, to compete against. But, uh, but just on, on, uh, on, on, uh, on cutting jobs, I came across an, an analysis Mason report uh, today. Uh, where they 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 talk talked about the idea that that's, that's being discussed that you you know you may well get it's quite feasible to get like a unicorn uh, not necessarily a telco but in any industry a, a unicorn with maybe just three or four staff built on AI I mean and so this, they're they're arguing this this is one of the this is well one one thing we're going to see in telcos probably in every company that you know you, you, you a lot of job functions. Maybe not networks. They, they, they think, but certainly across the, the rest of the company, you see a lot of job, a lot of headcount reduction, uh, and we AI will step in to fill the breach. So yeah, it's one of those um, possibilities or scenarios that's you know hopeful and exciting, but also uh, daunting in terms of uh, employment. Yeah, definitely. Well, Robert, thanks for going over these these two uh, stories with us, and look forward to hearing more updates from you in the future. I will. I will keep. I will keep you posted. Uh, nice chatting to you guys. Sounds great. Thanks, Robert. Take care. See you then. Thank you so much, Robert and Phil, for taking the time to talk today, and thank you to our amazing producer Pierre Landrio for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.